Carlson, and this is episode 51 of Gaming with Grief. I'm calling this episode the new redo or redux, depending on how it looks at your how you pronounce thing that's in your browser. Hopefully, you're finding this on iTunes. Uh, let me get through with the clerical stuff first. Uh, this episode will drop Monday, 7 a.m. at my website, www.gamingwithgrief.com. Go there, leave a comment, let me know what you think of the episode. Uh, also, you can find me on iTunes. I'm the Gaming with Grief podcast uh, with Joseph Carlson. Uh, just search for that. You'll find it. Uh, the background is like a, a black background with like a burnt match. I thought it looked pretty cool. Uh, you know, maybe it's not that cool. I don't know. Also, you can go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think of the show. Again, on the iTunes thing and in the email thing, let me know how I'm doing. Rate, like, subscribe, that kind of stuff. Uh, drop me a line. Let me know what you think. Uh, yeah, but I'm calling this episode uh, the new redo uh, because I've been playing a lot of kind of stuff that I've been playing, but I've gotten more into it, gotten better impression. Uh, I want to share that with you guys. Uh, the first thing up is I've gone back and I've played uh, Dragon Quest XI, uh, the Tales of an Elusive Age. Uh, there's an incredibly long title. It's on PS4, and I believe it's on PC, on Steam, and it's on the Nintendo Switch. There's a demo on the Nintendo Switch. I'm sure there's a demo on the PS4. I'm only playing it on the Nintendo Switch, so that's where my experience comes from. I played about, I think it said four or five hours uh, when I saved. Uh, which is really in the game, uh, by the way, it's just a third person kind of RPG, Japanese RPG. Uh, I guess in the Switch version, you can actually change it between the original, like what it looks like now, which is like an incredibly beautiful 3D action game, uh, like modern graphics, but you can change it to a 16 uh, bit, like old school RPG. Um, you can also change it between. Synthesize, synthesize music and symphonic music. I recommend I uh, recommend the sym the symphony because it is the Tokyo Metropolitan Orchestra uh, that is doing the sound effects and it is the uh, the soundtrack I should say the music the main music for the game and I have to say it is pretty amazing. My wife was in the den watching me play it. Uh, and she was sitting there playing Stardew Valley. She's addicted. I think it says I think her playtime is 70 hours by now. Uh, she was kind of blown away even by the music on Dragon Age. She was like, "Wow, this music is really good." And I was like, "Yeah, I think that's part of the appeal. It just sounds so epic. I mean, I think it's the art style that's really good. Um, but I think it's just like you know, it is a turn-based action RPG. You can actually sneak up to characters. You get an initial shock and do a little bit more damage. Turn base, you select an action or a spell. Your team selects an action or a spell. The enemy selects an, uh, a spell or an attack. Um, you know, you wait for everybody's turn, which I know is a big turnoff to people. I am trying to stretch my wings a little bit and try a new game a year. Um, and I'm trying this out. Um, I have credit on the eShop. I'm really thinking of buying it. It's, uh, you know, it, um, it does fall into a lot of tropes of Japanese RPGs that I played in the past. The idea that you are the chosen one, 
that there is, you know, a band of heroes that comes around. So far, there's one hero that has come to help me because he was told to follow the chosen one, which I am. Uh, spoilers for the very beginning of the game. You find out you're the chosen one, uh, which is a trope, but I really enjoyed in the game. I think it's something to do with the art style as well. Not only the music, but the art style really kind of like takes the game to like another level. Um, you know, there's a lot of items. I don't understand what they do now. I'm just playing the demo. It's amazing to me how long the demo is. It seems to go on for an incredibly long amount of time. I'm already playing four or five hours and it doesn't seem to end. I haven't seen a screen that screen yet that says, hey, thanks for playing the demo. Why don't you go to the eShop and uh, pay for the full price game, which I'm thinking of doing. One thing that I think that more games should do if they have a demo, I understand demos are difficult to make. You're in a time crunch. You have to make, you know, are you going to make the main game or are you going to make a demo? If you're a dev team, I understand that. I think for demos, what's really neat is what I'm seeing is a lot of games are just taking all your info from the demo and just transferring that over to the full game. And there's a lot of things that are saying that to me right now, which is great. It means I don't have to start the game over. Let's say this is a 10-hour demo. Like I said, I'm about four or five hours in. You play for 10 hours. You're like, man, I don't want to start this over again. I did all this stuff. I went to the town. I talked to this person. I did these side quests. You don't have to worry about that. Everything you do carries over into the main game, which I think is amazing. Um, I know more games do this. Uh, I wish every game would do it if there was a demo, but I understand there's probably technical restraints. If you're out there and you're developing games, you could probably let me know, but like, there's a reason why people can't do that, but I think it's great, and it's just a great user reason to do that. It's like a lesser barrier entry. It makes me want to buy the game even more when I know, hey, all this time I put in isn't wasted, and I can just go play the game. And it's great. Again, there's a lot of uh, you know tropes that are in a lot of JRPGs or just RPGs in general. There was a dragon already. I'm the chosen one. I saved someone in my town from something terrible. I have to go to the main castle. I have to talk to the king. These are all things that are kind of like a fantasy trope or a JRPG trope. But I, uh, I think they're done in a new way. There's like a twist when you go meet the king, which I think is interesting. And I think that's a great way to, that it got carried over to the main game. Um, you meet a party member that is very helpful. Uh, you can tell him you don't want to party with him, which I think is really weird. Why would you not want to party with someone in your group when you're in a JRPG? That seems strange. I, long story short, I'm really enjoying the game. Again, I'm picking up items. I don't know what they do or what they're for. I'm just keeping all of them. Um, I got uh, money. You get gold uh, you know, um, in the game, which I'm glad... Years and years and years ago, someone that was making fantasy RPG did not copyright gold. Because that just seems to be a standard thing. People using games, and I'm very happy that someone hasn't taken that from us. So every game can use that uh, for currency. So yeah, uh, what else have I been doing? Uh, I've also been playing The Division 2. Uh, I played it with a friend of mine um, and, like, and a relative of mine. Uh, what was really cool is we actually did a hunter hunt, you know, uh, in, it seems like in the division two, um, that you have to activate the hunters. My relative said that one attacked him, uh, while he was doing a mission. But when my friend was starting this mission, you have to shoot these targets near a building and then the hunter comes out. It was incredibly, incredibly tense battle. Uh, we were all downed. Uh, but one of my, my friend down the hunter and then was shot and killed, uh, in the game. And we were all able to go back there, loot the body, stuff like that. It was very tense and harrowing. 
the hunter uses things to take away your abilities and your skills. Um, and it was it was tense. And my friend told me, hey, when I start this, it's going to be pretty tense. Uh, you know, hold on to your cheeks, basically, which we did. We started fighting the guy, which was really funny, was that some NPCs came, uh, some cleaners, I believe, and they started attacking us. And right before they ran to us to attack us, there were some rushers and some other people. My friend said, listen, uh, they're going to attack that guy, so don't worry. Well, he said that, and then everybody went to attack us, which was great. We all spawned at the safe house, and I said, you know, it's funny that you said that they will all attack the hunter. They all seem to attack us, and that was terrible. And he said, you know, I've done this seven times, and six of the times they have attacked the hunter. So I guess six out of seven is not bad, which I got to agree with him isn't bad. So we went back, we defeated the hunter, we got an ivory key and a face mask, which didn't look that great, but, you know, we fought so hard to kill that guy. We took the face mask. We took the key. Now there's seven other hunters we have to go after and attack. So we're looking forward to maybe doing that next weekend. I don't know if we'll ever plan a time. I usually get a text from friends, hey, we're doing this, and I just bring it up. So hopefully next week we'll be able to dive into that. I know next week the last rogue agent before the boss rogue agent is becoming available i'm definitely going to do that it is very grindy if you're looking at the warlords of new york expansion after you be keener spoilers i think i mentioned this before but they introduced a new rogue faction of five people one is the leader four you have to kill the bosses or mini bosses you kill them uh it unlocks every week or so that you can go after them basically it's the same thing every time you go kill them you have to take control points you have to do uh, bounties. You have to do, um, I think there's one of the things, some main missions in different areas, and that will unlock points of investigation and unlock the main boss. Uh, they're pretty rough when you go after them, um, depending on your loadout. Um, I've had pretty good luck killing them. Uh, and then my friend yesterday was also telling me about the snitch, which is something that I didn't know about. There's a weapons dealer. Uh, I think her name's Carla um, Mendoza, something like that. She basically appears after you talk to the snitch, this guy in a Hawaiian shirt. He sells you a bounty. You complete the bounty, and then they tell you where she's at. He said she's got some pretty good weapons. Um, I've taken bounties from the snitch, but I have yet to be able to actually take a bounty out. For whatever reason, they were pretty rough, and I was getting my butt kicked, so I wasn't able to complete uh, the bounty, which made me a little bit sad. But he said they've gotten easier, so I don't know if I've just gotten better or if the game's made them easier. I'm hoping that I've gotten better, but I'm not going to promise that to anybody. So yeah, um, I'm trying to think of what else. That was really fun. I think the last topic I'm going to talk about um, is I'm going to group some things together. So I've been reading H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Now, I know what you're thinking out there. Wasn't that guy the racist guy that wrote about weird, crazy cosmic horror in like the 1920s? or the 1900s you're correct he was a racist guy white guy that wrote about uh you know cosmic horror in the 1900s or 1920s uh but i bought his penguin collection uh and i realized that he is racist and a piece of crap uh he wrote a lot of newspaper articles about how terrible the jews were and how terrible minorities were how he wanted to expel them from the world long story short he definitely knows something about unexplainable horror. And uh, some of his short stories that I've read in this Penguin classic are very good. Some of them are very short. 
there was a movie that came out in the 80s called The Reanimator um, that is based on his story. I think it's called Herbert West and the Reanimator. I'm reading that right now. I'm like halfway through the novel. There's a lot of good short stories, but some of them are very short. Obviously, they're short stories, but I'm, I'm talking maybe 10 pages, something like that. And many of the early ones start out with, man, this uh, terrible thing that's horrible, this monster, is completely undescribable. And we have no way of describing this, and the story is done. So, yeah, that is a little bit of a letdown. I understand this philosophy of once you describe something in a setting, then maybe it isn't as amazing as it was. Maybe uh, it isn't as scary when you start giving it characteristics like maybe it has eyes for hands things like that i get that but i think there's been a lot of media lately obviously from the 1920s it's been like 100 years we can imagine a lot more but i do see why early writers and writers of this day will look at his work and say wow that's really interesting the idea of this kind of cosmos of this unexplainable thing that can't be you know um described or um you know, defined. I do think it's interesting. The animator story is very interesting. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie or know anything about it, basically, um, I'm about halfway through it. There's a medical student that can reanimate the dead, uh, and he is a roommate with another gentleman who does not believe in his work. That's where I'm at right now. Um, or if his work is happening and it's believable, it is very extraordinary. So they're going at night to mausoleums, they're digging up bodies, they're doing experiments. Um, this, the movie that came out in the 80s was incredibly graphic. There was a lot of uh, you know sexual themes, a lot of graphic violence, which is a big deal in horror. Um, but the idea of someone being able to crack the code as it came with uh, you know death uh, kind of resonated with me. And uh, I'm really enjoying the stories. I've seen the movie, and it's really good. I recommend it. It's $4.99 on Amazon. And from the research I do, if you feel bad about supporting someone that may be racist or a terrible person. Uh, one, remember that he's dead, so that's a good thing. And then two, remember that uh, from what I could do the research, his stories are so old, uh, they kind of seem to be going into some kind of trust. I don't understand who his next of kin are. Uh, hopefully they're putting the money to good use, but a lot of his stories are pretty cheap out there. You might be able to find some for free uh, if you don't want to pay him. In fact, there's a couple collections I read about by some people that were um, influenced by him, but they were obviously, they realized that he was not the best person, and so they pretty much take his ideas uh, in a new direction. I'm gonna read that in the next few weeks. Uh, I was recommended a couple things. I'll find a good collection, and I'll probably recommend that in the next week or two. So um, yes, I will recommend that. And that leaves me with my final topic. I've got back to playing Bloodborne. That's right, everybody. Everybody that likes From Software games and knows that I played Sekiro and completed that. I have not completed Bloodborne, and I'm on my way to completing it. It's weird. You know, with the From Software games, what I find the most interesting is that, you know, death doesn't seem to be as frustrating as it was initially when I played the game. So you play a game initially, and you think, man, this is really frustrating. I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe this is happening to me. I've died 10 times by beating this boss. But right now, I find it amazing that uh, every time I die, I'm like, yeah, just totally cool with it. Yeah, it seems pretty amazing. That guy killed me. Seems pretty on point. Yeah, doesn't seem that amazing to me. Doesn't seem that incredible to me. I guess I'll just keep playing and find out. So yeah, I do enjoy Bloodborne. There's definitely something about it 
uh, when I beat it, I want to do a massive, um, you know, kind of like spoiler cast slash like deep dive into it. There's something about that game out of all the From Software games that I find incredibly special. You know, they've the the the, the uh, level layout, the idea that things are connected, you can get shortcuts, whether it be an open gate or a ladder that gets knocked down, or like a uh, a bridge that gets knocked over so you can go to from one area to the other. Excuse me. To me, it is amazing that they have been able to weave something together, not only with level design, but story and items, how it all kind of feeds in on itself to make an incredible cosmic horror story. And I think it, it actually surpasses some of the source material. You know, they uh, I've read somewhere that H.P. Lovecraft was obviously an inspiration. There's some other stories I've kind of heard around in the periphery that were also kind of like an inspiration or something like that. And I have to say that uh, I can see it, and I think it definitely does surpass kind of what came before. Um, and it kind of blows me away. Uh, yeah, so I recommend Bloodborne. It's on PS4 right now. I don't think it's on any other platform, uh, but definitely check it out. Uh, it is very special. I will be doing, I will be doing a big deep dive uh, into it uh, probably in the next couple weeks. Hopefully I'll complete it by then. Um, there's a lot to go, but I'm actually kind of digging into it again and playing it more and really enjoying it. So that is really, really fun. So, um, yeah, I can't recommend Bloodborne enough. Um, I was going to talk about HP Lovecraft even more. I will say again, I know you might be out there listening to him thinking, oh man, is that the guy that's like racist and hates minorities and wrote these really good stories? He did. There's some other writers I think that took his work in another way, which I mentioned before. I will try to find works by them and recommend them uh, next week. So, um, what else? Happy Mother's Day. It's Sunday. Actually, I'm recording this on Mother's Day. So, happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. I hope you guys are staying safe, sane. Uh, you know, if, if you're not with your family right now, practice social distancing. Be safe. Uh, wash your hands. I'm trying to think of what else. I think that's it for this week. It might be a little shorter episode, but I think next week's going to be a little bit longer episode. So, uh, yeah. Uh, stay safe out there. I hope everybody is, you know, wearing masks or quarantining when you can, you know, go for walks. Don't lose your mind, but know that uh, I think this is still pretty serious. So please remember that uh, we're all in this together. Uh, Stay safe. I will see you guys next week. Again, this episode will hit my website, www.gamingwithgrief.com on uh, Monday morning at 7 a.m. You can go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Drop me a line if you want, or... Go to iTunes, uh, subscribe, let me know what you think of the show, um, stuff like that. Leave a comment either on the website or obviously on iTunes. Uh, And uh, if you want to leave me an email, I'll read it on the show. If not, I won't. Anyway, you guys have a good week, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.